Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me be one of the first to greet you. Merry Christmas. It's a joy and privilege to be here today to welcome you and to worship the Lord together with you. Last year, on the way to work, all of a sudden, my car stops. And my car stops on a hill right beside Ultra, and on the other side is the Valle Verde Country Club. And I have no idea why it stops. So I get out of my car, open the hood, to try to figure out what's going on. In the meantime, all these cars are passing me by. And I ask myself, does anyone see me? Does anyone actually care to stop, to try to help me? Have you ever felt invisible? Have you ever felt that no one sees you or no one really cares? I can tell you during this pandemic, a lot of us have faced, if not all of us have faced emotional and circumstantial challenges like never before. And I know you have Facebook and people can see a little bit about your life, but really, do they really know what's going on inside of you? For some people, it seems like God always answers their prayers. But maybe for some of us, we may have believed the lie that no one really sees what's going on in our lives. No one really cares. You know, I have four children and my wife and I, early on in their lives, noticed something about each of our children. They always want to get our attention. They always wanna say, um, come, look at what I'm doing or come, look at what I've built. And that's because it is but natural for you and I to long for significance. It is but natural for you and I to want to be seen, to know that our lives matter and that people care or someone cares. I have great news for you today. Maybe you feel that nobody sees what's going on in your life or that no one really cares, but that's a lie because one of the names of God is El Roy. And El Roy means God who sees. For those of you who are just joining us this week, we are in a series of being rooted, knowing the names of God. Let's now look at where we find El Roy in the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 16. And right before Genesis chapter 16 is chapter 15. And it's, and it's very significant because it sets the stage for the story we're gonna read about in Genesis 16. So what happens in Genesis 15? Here we see that the Lord, this is Yahweh, and this is one of the names that we studied last week, this is a personal name of God. Yahweh had an encounter with Abraham and he actually made a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant was that Abraham was going to be a great nation. He was going to have a multitude of descendants. This was a covenant that reemphasized the promise in Genesis chapter 12, which God told Abraham that he was going to be a blessing to the whole world and that the whole world would be blessed through Abraham. And so what happens? Abraham has this promise. I'm sure he shares it with his wife. But look at our human nature. So now we're going to look at Genesis 16. We're just going to highlight the story of, of two women. And we'll find later on who is the real highlight in the story. Is it Sarah? Is it Hagar? What is the story really all about? So let's look at Genesis 16. Verse 1. Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. You see, remember, God had promised them that they were going to have multitudes of children. But Sarai, she, she could not have children. She was 
only was she barren, she was older already. Look at verse 2. So Sarai said to Abraham, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. What is Sarah doing here? She is coming up with her own solution to her predicament. Her predicament is she can't have children. In fact, she says it is the Lord who had prevented her from having children. And because she couldn't have children, she now comes up with her solution. She knows that God had promised them that they were going to be a great nation, a great multitude. But what is her solution? Her solution was to adapt to what was socially and culturally acceptable during this period of our world's history. You see, during this time, if a barren woman couldn't give birth to her own children, she could get a maid and that maid could act as a surrogate. And when that, ba- when that baby was born, that would now become the child of the master. And so that's what she proposed to Abraham. Now, okay, if this is what the culture accepts, maybe it's acceptable. But what was God's design for marriage from the beginning when he created it? In Genesis chapter 2, it talks about how marriage is supposed to be, be between one man and one woman. It says the two will become one. But here, Sarah is being led to compromise. And it's very interesting. Abraham, instead of standing up or encouraging Sarah to continue to trust God, he gives in. He listened to the voice of Sarah. Why did he listen? Well, look at the next verse. Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. And Abraham's wife took, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, as his wife. Have you found that in your own life, when you are waiting for a promise of God, you know what God's character is like, and you're trusting him, but it takes a long time. Have you find yourself getting impatient? Do you find yourself starting to think of creative solutions that are maybe already compromising? You know, today, there are a lot of socially acceptable practices, right? In our world today, if two people consent to have sex, you can have sex before marriage. In fact, they don't see that as anything wrong. But if you go to the standard of God, he says sex is a beautiful thing that he created and is, is created for marriage. But it's so easy for couples to compromise today. They don't wait. Abraham and Sarah, they didn't wait. And look at what happened. When you compromise, when you don't trust God, you have to understand that there are always hidden consequences to those decisions. And what happened? So Abraham went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So Hagar, who is the maid of Sarah, all of a sudden has this bounce in her step because now she's, she's pregnant. And remember, she is a slave. But she doesn't respond in the same way that Sarah thought she would. Sarah thought she would just be the same old Hagar 
that she was before she got pregnant. But no, when she got pregnant, her attitudes changed. And that created a lot of stress in the relationship. How do we know? Well, out of the Bible, it explains it. Look at verse five. Sarah said to Abraham, may the wrong done me be upon you. What is Sarah doing here? All of a sudden, she is now blaming Abraham. Whose idea was it in the first place? It was Sarah's idea. Is Abraham without fault? Of course not, because Abraham accepted the idea. But I found that in my own life, when things go wrong, it's so easy for me to start blaming everyone else around. You know, just this week, I said something to my wife um, in a tone that was not loving, that was not kind. And as I was apologizing to her, I found myself making an excuse as I was apologizing. I was telling her, you know, I said it like this because you actually um, were not treating me um, in a way that I wanted to be treated. And it's so easy for me to now blame my wife for my own shortcomings. Don't be like Sarah. I am learning that I have to own up to my mistakes, to my bad choices, to my shortcomings. And so do you. Now look what happened here. She said, I gave my maidservant into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. Again, her shortcut to the problem that she was facing. And her problem was she couldn't give, she couldn't get pregnant. She couldn't give birth. This shortcut created so much havoc in their relationship, not just with Hagar, but even with Abraham, there was tension. And let's keep reading. But Abraham said to Sarah, behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly and she fled from her presence. Again, what do we learn from Abraham that we should not do? You know what I love about the Bible? It doesn't hide the shortcomings of even the heroes of the Bible. Abraham is one of the patriarchs, one of the men that, that we all look up to because he was a man of faith. But look at how Abraham, even Abraham makes mistakes. So if you've made mistakes, don't beat yourself over the head excessively about it. We learn from our mistakes. We stand up. Abraham made mistakes. He makes, he makes another one here. Instead of handling the situation, he abdicates his responsibility and passes it back to his wife and say, you deal with it. Now, what does Sarai do? Well, it says here that she treated her harshly. I don't know how harsh she was, but I do know she was harsh enough to make Hagar run. So Hagar flees from the presence of Sarai. She couldn't take it. And what happens? The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. Now the story, the narrative changes. At the beginning, it seems like it's about Sarai and how she couldn't have a baby and what she's doing to manipulate the circumstance so she can have a baby. And all of a sudden it now shifts to, to Hagar, but comes in the introduction, the angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? This is the angel of Yahweh, the personal God who longs to have a relationship with you and me. Scholars will tell you that every time you see the angel of the capital L-O-R-D, that is referring 
to the pre-incarnate Christ, making himself known in the Old Testament. And it's amazing. It's amazing what this angel of the Lord says to Hagar. Angel is another word for messenger. So it's a messenger of God. And what does the messenger, the angel, say to Hagar? He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? I love that question. Have you ever run from anything? You know, during this pandemic, there are many things that we can be tempted to run from, right? Emotionally, you may be in a situation where you just feel you can't take it and you just need to get out. Or maybe financially, you have obligations that you just, you just, wanna, you just wanna run away. It's natural for people to wanna run away. Some people, instead of running, they, they fight back, but most people, they run away. And Hagar, that's what she did. That's what she knew to do. She ran. But I love the question of the angel of the Lord. Where have you come from? What is your past? Those of us who are watching right now, all of us, we have a past. And there's something in your life that is steering at your heart right now. Are you trying to run away from something? The angel said, what are you running from? And then he asked another question. Where are you going? Look at Hagar's answer. And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. When the word mistress is used, it's not like the mistress you think of now, right? This mistress means like the, the queen, the, the master. And Hagar is saying, I'm running away from my master. Does she say anything about where she's going? She's not, doesn't say anything. The next verse doesn't tell you where she's going. I believe she doesn't answer the second question because she has no idea where she's going. Maybe she was trying to go back to Egypt because she's from Egypt. But it's also very possible that in her heart, she looked at her situation. Remember, she's a victim, right? She, she didn't ask this upon herself. She was made to do this. And now she was treated so badly, nowhere to go. She very possibly could have thought, I have no future. I'm not going anywhere. Has that crossed your mind during this pandemic? during the trials that you're facing um, and continue to face, I have no future. Well, let's keep reading to see what happens. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, return to your master and submit yourself to her authority. What? Return? But this is the very reason why I'm running away. But the angel of the Lord doesn't stop there. He gives Hagar something. What does he give her? Gives her a promise. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Did you know that Hagar is the first woman in the Bible that the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, in this case, Christ, who is God, had a conversation with. It's amazing. Think about it. Who is Hagar? She's a slave. She's a foreigner, an Egyptian. 
She has no social standing. She is marginalized. And yet, the God of the Bible reached out to her, found her when she was lost. It's amazing. See, we think that the hero in the story or the main character in the story is Hagar because it was Sarah at the beginning and now it shifts to Hagar. But keep reading. You will see that the main character in this story is really God and what God does for the marginalized, outcasts, unforgotten, unseen person in this story. Gives her a promise. And then he also goes on to say, the angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child. She knew that already. She knew she was pregnant. But he says, you will bear a son. So the angel tells her, you have a son in you. You have a boy. And you shall call his name Ishmael. What does Ishmael mean? Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. God not only sees, but he hears. And he tells Hagar, you go back. Go back because you're going to be blessed by Abraham. I made a promise to Abraham. You have a child in you, a son. You're going to name him Ishmael to remind you that the Lord has given heed to your affliction. And that's very important as we keep reading to see why was his name called Ishmael? Verse 12, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. I wouldn't say this is the best description of what I want my son to be. But the reality is the decision of Abraham and Sarah to compromise the promise of God, to doubt the promise of God. Remember, Satan, he knows how to get our attention. He knows how to get us to fall into temptation. And that decision to compromise really had not just immediate consequences in their family relationships, but you will see this consequence from generation to generation to generation. But the beauty about this passage, no one has a monopoly on God. Even a woman like Hagar, God sought after. And look at what Hagar goes on to say. Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. El Roy is the only time it appears in the Bible. She's the only woman that's given the privilege to name God. All prior to this, God has revealed himself with his own words. I am Elohim, Yahweh. El Shaddai, but here, Hagar. And I want you to imagine that you are in Hagar's shoes because of what God has done for her, appearing to her, giving her this promise. She says, you are the God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Hagar was surprised that God would reveal himself to her. She's a foreigner. She's a slave marginalized, but God cares about every single person. He cares about you and he cares about me. What, what happened? Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahai Roi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Berea. That means well of the living one who sees me. 
She was so impacted by her encounter with God that she named the well, well of the living one who sees me. And the story goes on. Hagar bore Abraham a son and Abraham called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael because God heard her affliction. And Abraham listened to what Hagar told her about what to call our son. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Now you may think that's the end of the story. Well, it's not the end of the story. Although the climax of the story is God intervening in the life of Hagar. The story is about God, his nature to be merciful, to be gracious, to be compassionate and loving. That in spite of the shortcomings, the mistakes, the sin of Abraham and Sarai to compromise, God intervened in the life of Hagar. But it doesn't end there. In Genesis chapter 17, God gives him another promise. The same promise actually just says, I'm changing your name because you are going to be a great nation. And throughout Genesis, um, if you look at the next chapters, he actually tells Abraham that it's not going to be Ishmael. Abraham says, yeah, I'm going to be a great nation. I have a son, Ishmael. And God says, no, it's going to be from you and Sarah. And that's what happens. In Genesis 21, Isaac is born. It's a miracle of miracles that Sarah was able to conceive. They were shocked that they could have a baby. And this is what happens. Isaac is born, just a party for him. And then jealousy starts again. So the child grew and was weaned. That's Isaac. And Abraham made a great feast on that day that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah, her name was changed now from Sarai to Sarah, saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham mocking. So Ishmael was mocking, making fun of Isaac. And she didn't like it at all. Isaac was still a young boy. He was just weaned. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son, Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. Abraham was so affected because he had grown to love Ishmael. And now Sarah was asking him to completely get rid of both Hagar and Ishmael. What does Abraham do? Well, God speaks to Abraham. God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the land, oh, because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. God reminds Abraham that his descendants, the blessing that he promised them, that his nation, his seed would be a blessing to the whole world was going to come from Isaac. He says, go, you listen to your wife. But look what he says. And of the son of the maid, that's Ishmael, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. So he says, I'm going I'm to bless both. But the promised blessing is going to be through Isaac, the promise of the seed, which eventually we know is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came through the line of Isaac. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder. 
and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. She was set off not, with not very much. And look what happened. When the water of the skin was unused up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Why did she leave him under one of the bushes? It's because she was in so much distress. She says here, she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away. So not too far, a bow shot. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. I can imagine the kind of weeping that was going on here. Again, I want you to imagine you're Hagar. You're out on your own. You're out of water. You're dying of thirst. And your boy, Ishmael, was a young man. Maybe 15, 16, 17 years at most. And Hagar couldn't stand watching her own son die. And so she cries out to God with all that she has. When was the last time you cried out to God? I love what happens next. God heard the lad crying. He heard Hagar, but here it emphasizes that he heard the lad crying, heard Ishmael. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. The God who sees continues to see. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I started thinking of my own life. I started thinking about certain events that took place in my life. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ and I started thanking the Lord. I said, Lord, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for finding me. And then I started thinking about the day that I entered college because that was a new world for me. I'd come from a Christian school and all of a sudden now I'm, I'm, I'm in a secular school. I'm playing basketball for the school. And as I look back, I'm like, God, you, you were there with me. You saw me. Thank you for being there with me. I thought of the multiple injuries that I had as a basketball player. And I said, God, you were there. You saw me. And then I thought about marriage. And I thought about all these other things. And as I was thinking about these things, I just started breaking down and crying. I'm like, God, it's not just these events that you were in my life seeing me. You were watching me from the very beginning. Even before I believed in you, you were there. When Ishmael and Hagar were at the end of their ropes, God intervened again. And the questions that he asked Hagar are the same questions that he's asking you and me today. What's the question? What is the matter with you? What is it that you are wrestling with that is greater than I am? Why are you afraid? It says, do not fear, for the Lord has heard the voice of the lad where he is. You know, sometimes we think that God only hears the big problems in our lives. Can I challenge you? Why don't you pray to God about everything in your life? This week, I attended a wedding, and it was a, such a beautiful and touching wedding because of the story behind it. You see, my friend married a single mom. And when this man came along in her life, it was amazing how God orchestrated all the events. The entire wedding was all about God. And I was so moved. And there was one part there where the single mom shared. She said, 
After my fiance proposed to me, I told God, God, it would be really nice if my fiance would also propose to my daughter and give her the same kind of ring that he gave me. And she didn't tell anyone. She just, she prayed that to God. You know, last night I found out that this fiance, God had moved in his heart and he did exactly what that single mom had asked for. Because the single mom said, Lord, I know that if, if this is done, then it is, this is really exceptional. This is really from you. And here's a picture of the two identical rings that they were able to share. And it just shows me that God, he, he even cares about the little things in our lives, the small things. He's the God that sees. Come to him in prayer. Cry out to him. He knows what is best for you and for me. Let's keep reading. Arise, lift up the lad, the angel of God tells Hagar, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. It's very interesting that when Hagar was at the end of her ropes, she was panicking. She was just going to curl up and just wait for the boy to die and wait for her to die. She became paralyzed. Many times when you and I face challenges and we don't see God, God sees us, but many times we don't see him. We act like Hagar. We become paralyzed. What God did, he opened her eyes. And when he opened her eyes, she saw. She saw that the the water was actually just right over there. Are you going through financial turmoil right now? Do you have physical needs, financial needs? I want to remind you that the God of the Bible is a God of Abraham, the God of Hagar also, the God of you and me. He has promises and he promised to provide for all our needs. Let's not cower or be paralyzed by worry, by fear. Let's do our part. Let's trust God. Let's be obedient to him. And let's ask God to open our eyes. What's around us? What can we do with what we have? I know many people who have started new businesses. You know, they, they can cook, they can bake, and they, they may do with what they have. Or they have the ability to, to teach, and they use the online platform as a way to teach also. Whatever it is that God's given you, you ask yourself, what's around me, Lord? What can I do? And you move in faith. Let me tell you a story of how God provided during the last typhoon. You see this photo? The story behind this photo is this. These gentlemen went to buy a boat because the flood was so bad in, in Marikina and Cainta, they wanted to do rescue operations. This was CCF Tulong Tayo. And when they got to the store to buy the boat, they met this lady who had two boats. And when she found out they were buying a boat, she said, why are you buying a boat? And they said, because we need to do some rescue operations. And she asked, well, what organization are you with? Are you with? And, and these gentlemen said, we're with CCF Tulong Tayo. And she said, oh, 
I just bought two boats because I wanted to donate these boats to, to somebody that was going to use them for relief operations. I'm going to give them to you. And these guys were, were floored because it's not cheap to buy a boat. In fact, they weren't going to buy a boat. They were just going to rent the boat and they had to put a deposit. And here comes a lady who just gives them two boats that they needed. And when she found out they were from CCF, she said, oh, I go to CCF Eastwood. And it was just amazing to see how God provided, even in a situation like this. There are so many stories of God providing just at the right time. Many of my disciples have told me just when I needed the money to pay for a certain bill, God sent a collection. And it's just countless of stories. The same story repeated over and over. You, you ask yourself, this, this can't be coincidence. This is God providing. God is the God who sees, El Roy. And let's finish up the story. I love this. God was with the lad. God was with Ishmael. Not only did God see him, but not only hear him, but he was with him. And he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Then we don't hear about Hagar anymore. But we do know that God intervened into her life. We do know that God had a plan for her. God made a promise to her and God kept that promise. He took care of Hagar. He took care of Ishmael. As we wrap up, there is some application that I want to just uh, share with you also. Let me ask you this question. Is there stress in your relationship or your relationships? I know a lot of people, they've told me this pandemic has brought out the worst in us because of just being so clustered up at home. And it's very easy for you and I to respond to the stress without eyes of faith. What does that look like? When you and I respond in irritation or we respond with this mindset that you have wronged me, I am now a victim, I, I respond with frustration because I feel that you have violated my rights. You see, it's very easy for us to take offense for the bad things that we feel people do to, do, do to us. But because God is a God who sees, he sees the difficulty that you're going through. He sees the difficulty that I'm going through. And with confidence, we can respond in Christ-like love. And the question we should ask ourselves is, how can I respond in a way that will bring God most glory? Because God is, he's here with me. He sees me. Let's not be like Sarah and Hagar, how Sarah treated Hagar. Let's be like Christ was when he was taken advantage of by the multitudes. He said, Father, forgive them. That's my prayer for myself and for you. Because God sees you can respond that way. How about this? Because God is a God who sees, he's El Roy. Are you heading towards sin today? Are you giving in to the temptation? And what are the temptation? Temptation to be like Sarah, Sarai, to doubt. Or maybe you struggle with anger and you find yourself frequently or about to give in to your anger or your desire to control things around you. Or maybe you're struggling with lust. 
I want to remind you, a name of God, Elroy, the God who sees. He sees you and he has already provided a way out. Take it. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. If you are finding yourself heading towards sin today, remind yourself that maybe you think nobody else sees you, you're lying to yourself because God sees you and he is the most important person in this world. And flee from temptation. He has provided a way out, take it. Or maybe you've fallen into sin and you feel like, I've just blown it. I can never recover. That's a lie. If you have fallen into sin, I want you to repent today and turn to God. You see, Abraham and Sarah made many mistakes, but God is greater than our mistakes. He's greater than our shortcomings. In fact, you will make mistakes. But the encouragement is this. God is able to cause all things to work together for good. For those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. But let me tell you this. Are the consequences, are the scars of those mistakes real? Yes, they are. You don't have to make mistakes. But if you do, get back up and you repent. Hebrews tells us, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoked me. If you hear God speaking to you today, repent. Make a U-turn. It's never too late. Or maybe you feel like Hagar, you know, marginalized, outcast, insignificant, invisible. Maybe you feel like you're a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. Or you're, the circumstance you're in is because of somebody else's mistake, which is what happened to Hagar. Know this, Elroy, God sees. And it's not enough for you to know that God sees. Do you and I see God? You see, what made all the difference in Hagar's life was she acknowledged God. She saw God. She entered into relationship with God. And if you've never given your life to Christ, maybe it's because you feel that you're not worthy or maybe it's because you feel that this stuff is not for me. Let me remind you that God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came for you and for me that we might have life and might have eternal life. No one has a monopoly in God. Not the Jews, not the Gentiles, but through Abraham, we see that amazing promise. You see, our greatest need, which God sees, is the need of a Savior. And if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, then this message is for you. God is calling you and he wants you to give your life to Christ so that you may have that intimate relationship that he so desires to have with you. Remember, as I was trying to fix my car and I felt nobody saw me passing by, there was one person that stopped. And that person, he didn't fix my car. He just asked me if I needed help. And the fact that he saw me it made all the difference in me. It made all the difference. I felt significant. I felt that I was important. And it changed me. 
How did it change me? You see, as I go to work, our office is in Shaw Boulevard and there's a walkway that I cross frequently. And I've crossed that walkway many times and I've always seen a beggar there, but I've never stopped to do anything for that beggar. I ignored the beggar. But because I experience being seen by a stranger, it did something to my heart. And so for the first time that, that same week that I had my car broken down, I stopped and talked to the beggar for the first time. You know, if you've experienced the grace of God, it changes you. When you know that God sees you, it changes the way you look at life. And I pray that you and I could be like Christ, that when he saw the multitudes, he said that he felt compassion. Not just compassion, he broke down and wept because he said they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he, he, he tells us to go because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And that's my prayer for us today, that as we have learned that El Roy, God sees that it transforms your life and my life and makes us more like him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time that we're able to learn from Hagar. Lord, we don't talk about Hagar much. And in fact, many times we think of her as the person that wasn't supposed to be in the story. But I thank you that through her and through Ishmael, you have shown us today that you are truly a God who sees. You see the marginalized, you see the outcasts, you see everyone, Lord. And I thank you because you see, because you are here with us and because you are not only El Roy, but you are Elohim, you are Yahweh. You have the power to intervene in the circumstances that we are in. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that you give us the eyes of faith, that we will not live in paralysis of worry and fear, but we would have boldness and confidence and faith and trust in you, that you would help us to be obedient to you. And Heavenly Father, for those of us who have never surrendered our lives to you, I thank you that you have seen the greatest need, which is our need for a savior. And if you are that person that wants to experience the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, I want you to pray with me right now in your room, something like this. Lord Jesus, I admit that although you have always seen me, I have never lived as if you see me. I have lived my life my way. I have sinned against you. And this moment that I have with you, I don't want to harden my heart. I, want to, I turn to you and I open the door of my life and I ask you, Jesus, the all-seeing God, to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my master, and to, my, to, and to be my Savior. I thank you for your forgiveness of sin and for your promise of eternal life. And I thank you that you will make me into the kind of man or the kind of woman that you want me to be. And for the rest of us, Jesus, I thank you for your grace that in spite of our mistakes and our shortcomings, you are greater than them. And Lord, I now ask that you help us to live with the eyes of faith, that you are the God that sees, you are El Roy, that you would help us to also see the people in our life that need your help and your grace. In your name we pray, amen.
If you have been blessed by the message or you want to learn more about the names of God, please click on the link below to learn more about who God is and how amazing he is in your life and in my life.